This is the message from Connection Community Church for February 2nd, 2020. Autocorrect from Nope to Hope. Well, good morning, Connection Church. You know, you were a little more energetic than the first service, but. There's about 50% more people. It's a gorgeous day. Isn't it great to be part of God's kingdom? Can I hear a good morning? Oh, good. You're, you're alive and well. That's, that's good to know. Good morning. Today we get a new series entitled Autocorrect, and this morning our focus is on Nope to Hope. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Mighty God, thank you so much for this day. It is no accident that any one of us are here. Open our hearts, open our eyes to your word found in scripture to the truth as we explore autocorrect, nope to hope. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. amen. Okay, so autocorrect, you know, that's a feature on phones and iPads and tablets and computers that attempts to correct the spelling of a word as you type it. The device uh, tries to figure out what you mean to type even when you don't quite hit the right keys, perhaps. Often helpful, this feature can also be frustrating. Can I get an amen? Challenging, funny, even hilarious when it's putting words into your, I mean, into your device or whatever. Sometimes it can be embarrassing, can't it? Anybody been embarrassed by an autocorrect? Hello, hello. You know, uh, and you can, uh, you can uh, go on Google and find some funny examples, but I'm going to warn you, you need to be very careful because <laughs> uh, you might get more than you bargained for. There's some really interesting ones that would come up when you look up some autocorrect examples. Go with caution. <laughs> so we got to thinking... Uh, with the worship design team. That's a group of people that meets every month to take a look at our themes and how to bring them to life. Anyway, we got to thinking about this idea of autocorrect and that in our Christian walk, God has kind of an autocorrect system for each one of us. That in our thinking, in our lives, um, God wants to set things straight us. For instance, when we're thinking about, when we're focusing on, when we're experiencing something kind of negative and we go down that path where we shouldn't with some of our thoughts and negativity, and, and that's just toxic. Anyway, God wants to autocorrect that thinking into not going down, but going back up thinking um, things more positive, thinking things God-centered, thinking things more Christ-centered. And so this morning, God's autocorrect takes nope and changes it into hope. Hmm. So, so we want I, you oh. to say, I, I just got to hear you say nope. nope. Say hope. hope. Absolutely. And you guys online, I hope you said nope and hope too. Try one more you're time. Part of we a, didn't hear him. Try one more time. Let's do it for our online community. Nope, hope. You guys are a quick study. I'm proud of you. That's really good. That's really good. 
So we're trying to think of some examples of this from Scripture. And I got thinking, last week, Carrie shared that we were going through the chronological Bible. That's a Bible that puts things as they happen in sequence. And we're doing it in a year. And, and, and there's a pretty good example where we're reading at right now. We're in the second book of the Bible, Exodus. And, and Exodus, if you look that word up, it means a, a mass departure of people. And in this case, it's the mass departure of the Hebrews out of Egypt where they were slaves. Exodus 12.37 tells us there were about 600,000 men on foot. In addition to women and children, it's like well, 600,000 men plus women. What, like some 2 million people or something? Wow, can you imagine? That's quite an exodus, isn't it? Yeah. So the Hebrew people were probably not expecting freedom at this point, even though God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many, that he would be a blessing, that his descendants would be given the land, the promised land, the land of Israel. At this point, they had been enslaved for 400 years. Mm. Say 400 years. 400 yeah, years. that's a honking long time, isn't it? 400 years. In other words, that's all they knew. They were slaves. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-great, you get the, get the <laughs> drip. That's all they knew. So if a generation is roughly 30 years, it figures out to be like 14 generations of slavery. So freedom at this point would have seemed like one big nope, nope. But you know that with God, all things are possible, and our nope turns to hope. Mm. Absolutely. And so God sends this guy named Moses. Maybe you've heard the story. Great story. Sends Moses to Egypt to encourage Pharaoh to free God's people. And, and it was not easy because Pharaoh was kind of a stubborn guy. Scripture uses the term a stiff-necked person. Stiff-necked. Not, not easy. And Pharaoh did not want to give up his free labor source. <laughs> and yet after a series of plagues culminating in the death of the firstborn, both human and animal, all through Egypt, including Pharaoh's son, firstborn, Pharaoh finally did let God's people go. For the Hebrew people, nope turned to hope. So have you ever made like a monster decision and then second-guessed yourself? Like, yes! Ooh, what was <laughs> I thinking? Yeah. Well, actually, that happened to Pharaoh. So he made the decision to let the people go, and then he's like, oh, <laughs> my I goodness, thinking? did I make a mistake on that? And so he called to get, because the Hebrews were the big workforce. They, they did the hard labor. He regretted his decision, decision, so what did he do? He got 600 of his best chariots in addition to all the others. And that's kind of funny that that's the way that was put anyway. Well, it's in the scripture, though. You know, you yeah, it, roll is, with it, it is. And they pursued the Israelites. Now, when I say Hebrews and Israelites, I mean the same thing. So we're interchanging Hebrew and Israelite. Now, God had led them not the easy route because he said if it was easy, they might turn back any time when they reached trouble. So he sent them out through the desert, you know, down the desert and, and to the edge of the Red Sea. That's a big body of water. And that's where they were camped when they looked in a rear view mirror, and you know what they saw? 
a bunch of Egyptians on chariots chasing after them. Can you begin to imagine what must have gone through their minds at this point in time? In front, the Red Sea, behind Pharaoh's army on chariots. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Boy, they really sound spoiled, kind of like whiners. But anyway, good I Good old will, days. Yeah, <laughs> the good old days back in Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Okay, so in front, Red Sea, solid wall of water, right? In back... Solid wall of uh, chariot-riding soldiers. Uh, we have a word for that. It's called a dilemma. A dilemma is like a bull, you know, two horns. Whichever way you go, it's going to spear you. There's no good choice. That's what a dilemma is. Both choices stink. In either case, you know, like with a bull, you're going to get hurt. And that's true here. Two choices, both of them appear deadly. Deadly. And so the hope that they briefly experienced turned back to nope. Nope, at least for the moment. It's important, though, for us to always remember that something that the Hebrews came to learn in the desert. Remember the, uh, the Hebrew, sacred Hebrew word for God is Yahweh, right? So when there seems to be no way, there's always Yahweh. When there's no way, there's Yahweh. Say it with me. No way, Yahweh. Yahweh. No way, Yahweh, that's important to remember. And so it was not over for the Hebrews camped along the Red Sea. We read in Exodus then that God brought a pillar of cloud between the Egyptians and the Israelites, keeping them separated for the night, giving them some time. And he did that while Moses stretched out his hand over the Red Sea. Can you imagine watching that? This, this must have been just the wildest thing. All night long, the Lord drove back the sea with a strong wind, dividing the waters. And the next day, the Israelites, you know the story, they went through the sea on dry land, right, with a wall. That's the scripture says a wall, not a little trick, a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. After the Hebrews crossed, the Egyptians pursued. The water was a little, you know, a little bit. They got kind of stuck in their chariots. And then the waters returned to where they'd been, engulfing the chariot-riding soldiers along with Pharaoh himself. Autocorrect, at least for the Hebrews, <laughs> nope to hope. Have you ever been there? Maybe you've been there once or twice, maybe more. I know I have. Maybe you're there right now. A wall in front, a wall, or you feel like you're being pursued from behind, feeling trapped, not seeing a way out. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's finances, maybe it's just your situation in general. And you're just feeling like you are in that nope time of your life. Here's what we want you to hear, one of the things. 
When Jesus is in the picture, nope turns to hope. So your situation is never, ever hopeless. All we need to do is utter the name Jesus. And we can actually, I mean, when I feel like I'm in a nope situation and I just have Jesus on my lips, it changes my heart. It changes my whole thought process. It lifts me from here to here. Jesus cares. Jesus created you. Jesus can't not love you. You can't push him away. All of your nopes really do have hope because Jesus is light and life and pours that into each one of us. With our God, nope becomes hope. So this autocorrect um, from nope to hope isn't just found in the story of Exodus. It runs throughout the Bible. In fact, that's one of the main purposes of the Bible, to give hope. It's a book of hope. For you, for me, for all of us, over and over again, story after story after story of hope, the hope that God brings. Especially true once we get to the second part of the Bible. It's called the New Testament. Because that's the part where, as you were just pointing out, Jesus enters the picture. And hope is what Jesus is all about. One of our favorite autocorrect stories from Nope to Hope is found in the seventh chapter of Luke. It's a great story where Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd, they're going through a town of Nain. Nain is in the area of Galilee. He, Jesus, approached the town gate. Just then, a dead person was being carried out. He was the only son of his mother. She was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt so sorry for her. He said, don't cry. (laughs) Don't cry. Come on. This woman's lost her only son. She'd already lost her husband. You can be sure that she's not only emotionally grief-stricken over the losses, but she's also grief-stricken as she considers her future both social and financial. She's now on her own, and that's a difficult, a most challenging place for a woman in that culture. It was a male-dominated world, absolutely, and the men in her life are gone. And so she's in a desperate place. Jesus knows all this, and Jesus has compassion for her. But just the same, how can she not cry when she's not only lost her son, but when that results in her looking at a lonely, difficult, challenging, uncertain future, a future of nope. Then Jesus went up and touched the coffin. Those carrying it stood still. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. Then Jesus gave him back to his mother. Can you imagine what the buzz was in that crowd that day? That must have been wild. Boom! <laughs> Kid raises up out of the dead. Whew, brother. You know, in the words of Yogi Berra, it's never over till it's over. <laughs> and when Jesus around, even death doesn't mean it's over. Even death. Yeah, with Jesus... Death is a temporary state. Nope autocorrects to hope in the hands of Jesus Christ. 
So we're wondering where you're at today. How about you? Are you experiencing some hurt in your life? Do you feel devastated about a situation? Are you broken? Just as he had for the widow of Nain, Jesus has compassion for you. Jesus loves you beyond measure. What in your life is dead or dying? What in your life is causing you to be in that dark and kind of numb place? A relationship? Life in general? Your faith? Jesus has the power to bring you back from the dead. Jesus has the power to turn your situation around. Jesus has the power to change your mindset from negative to positive. The power of God is present for you and for me. Jesus just wants to touch you like he touched the coffin. He just wants to touch you and give you healing, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, psychological. Take in that nope to hope. Are you willing? Are you willing to let Jesus touch you? to touch your life, to touch your soul, to experience healing. Hmm. So two chapters earlier in the same book of Luke, in chapter 5, we read of Jesus teaching in someone's home. Once again, some religious law experts are sitting there. Check out what we read here. It's a story some of you may have heard before, but it's a, it's a great story. I love this story. Luke 5, 18 through 20, New International Version. Some men, came, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. That must have been wild to be in that house that day. Hello. <laughs> when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Now, that's some kind of faith. <laughs> they knew that Jesus had the power to heal their friend. So they just had to get their friend to him. They had to get him to the one who had the power to turn the situation around. And so scripture tells us they cut a hole in a roof. Can you imagine like that, doing something that drastic? Having the debris come down on you now. <laughs> You know, we come in contact with people all the time who need a word from God, who need encouragement. Are you willing to take that step? It might feel kind of drastic to you, even having the conversation or saying, hey, can I just pray with you? Or, you know, giving some kind of word of encouragement. That's what these guys did in a pretty radical way. And so I want to read, um, after Jesus saw their faith and he said, "Your friend, your sins are forgiven, picking it up at verse 29, the Pharisees and the teacher of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, they were starting to get really uncomfortable and ticked off because Jesus was, it's one of his claims of being God, you know, he was healing or forgiving sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in the front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Once again, can you imagine being in that crowd that day? Oh, my goodness, that must have been awesome. Here we have a paralytic. You know, we're not told if it was from birth. Was it a work accident? Was it, you know, got hit in an auto? It doesn't tell us what happened, does it? So we got to conclude it must not be important because usually if it's important, we're told why. But we do know this, he can't walk. He can't walk. You know, that would be a challenge for us today, but probably not as great a challenge. We have a little more technology and stuff today to help with the situation. Back then, what did he have? He had four friends who were willing to carry him around on a mat. Those are good friends. Those are, lo- those are faithful, literally faithful friends. So for most of us, though, this would be a situation of nope, wouldn't it? Situation of nope, I'm paralyzed. It is what it is, though. It's bad. It won't get better. Nope, nope, nope. But not for his friends. Not for his friends. They've convinced that this guy, Jesus, could change the situation, that he could bring healing, could give their friend the ability to the point that they're willing to cut through this guy's roof and drop him down in the middle of a crowd in order to get him in front of the healer. Are any of us willing to go to that extreme for a friend to get him in front of Jesus? I hope so. And they were able to do that because they focused on hope. They didn't let nope get in their way, did they? They focused on hope. And sure enough, the faith was rewarded. Jesus offered forgiveness for the paralyzed man while telling the man to get up and walk home. (laughs) Once again, Jesus turns nope into There you go. So we have the widow of Nain, and with that, Jesus made it happen. Jesus did it. He just made it happen. But in this case, the guy's friends brought him to Jesus. wonder how they knew about him. Had they seen Jesus in action? Was the word, had the word spread? They just knew, though. They just knew that Jesus was the source of hope for their friend. And they knew that Jesus had the power that their friend needed to walk, and they were right. Nope to hope. So check it out. Where are you paralyzed? Do you have a physical limitation that you're uh, allowing to limit you in some other ways of your life? Are you paralyzed in your thinking? Are you paralyzed in your faith? In your Christian action, are you allowing fear to paralyze you, keeping you from life-changing opportunities that God has in mind for you? Are you paralyzed when it comes to saying yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Paralyzed when it comes to inviting Jesus into your life? Paralyzed when it comes to giving him a bigger part of you, trusting him with more of your life than you've been willing to trust up to this point? We encourage you, we absolutely encourage you to talk to Jesus about your fears, 
about your paralysis, seeking his forgiveness, and his healing and direction. And so on our phones, on our iPad, I have my phone up here because I say hi to the people who are online with us so that we can all be connected. So I'm not just, you know, checking my email. <laughs> on our phones, on our iPads, on our tablets, our computers, we can override the autocorrect. Now, it might take a couple times, but we can override that autocorrect. We don't have to accept the autocorrect. Um, we can change it. And that is true for God's autocorrect as well. Here's why I'm going to say this. We can choose to not accept the hope that God offers us. We can choose to say, nope, no thank you. I can choose to wallow in my grief. I can choose to wallow in those places of unbelief. I can choose to wallow in those places where forgiveness is needed. We can choose to override that autocorrect. And, and why do we do that? When God has such a perfect plan for our lives, I'm not saying easy, I'm just saying good and perfect. Perhaps it's pride. Perhaps I'm guilty. There's times when I think I know better than God knows. Oh, I, I love my kids more than God does. You know, it's crazy thinking. It's crazy. The author of life, the author of salvation, is on the throne. He's here. I'm here. But Jesus came for that great divide so that we can have life and have it to the full. Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. Go on the cross willingly. But death did not have the final word. Jesus overcame death, rose again to be with his Father in heaven for us, for you, so that we can have life and so that our life is not one big nope, but our life is really full of hope. That's the good news of the scripture. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for these stories in scripture of the exodus of the red sea and the wall and how you protected your people thank you for the story about <coughs> excuse me the widow uh, from Nain and how you changed her nope to hope thank you God for the story of the paralytic and how his friends were so faithful they knew that you're the one that has the power to change and to heal. God, thank you for your word. There are so many scriptures of nope to hope. Help us read the Bible, experience you, pray to you, talk to you, listen. And thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, who turned our darkness to light, our nope to hope. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church.
connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.